Hello, and welcome to the Lies Podcast, the podcast where I start off talking in ominous tones about deception and lies, and then convert back into my normal self. Hey, so happy, um, merry, jolly Christmas to you. This is a special Christmas episode of the Lies Podcast, where today we're going to be taking on Christmas lies. Yes, we're going to be taking on Christmas lies and uh, having a little fun uh, with Christmas. Now, as I was doing a little research on Christmas lies, I came across one um, that I'll just start with today of our Christmas lies. Christmas lies, number one. Christmas is not in the Bible. Dun, 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 dun. Christmas is not in the Bible. Now, I don't know what people mean exactly when they say Christmas isn't in the Bible, because if you read the Bible, you get the nativity story. Uh, it's there in uh, Matthew. It's there in Luke. And um, it's a little strange people say Christmas isn't in the Bible. But I think what they mean is people don't celebrate Christmas in the Bible. Well, then again, there are people going to the birth of Christ. So I think they're celebrating his birth. So it must not be what they mean. They must mean that people don't celebrate Christmas in the Bible the way we celebrate Christmas in the Bible. Yes, there's no account of people driving to grandma's house, eating turkey or ham. There's no account of such things. There's no account of stockings hung by the chimney with care. And so therefore all these things are not Christian because they're not in the Bible. Um, I think that's rather silly, but uh, the attitude that Christmas is not in the Bible is kind of like, well, people like to say, oh, here's another one people like to say, the rapture is not in the Bible. And usually people that say that are people that don't believe in a, um, in a rapture of the church. And uh, so they'll say the rapture is not in the Bible, which again is rather silly because I think what they're saying is the word rapture is not in the Bible. Now, if you don't believe that the rapture is actually something that happens, then you would say the rapture is not in the Bible. But usually when people say the rapture is not in the Bible, their go-to line is the word rapture is not in the Bible. Like the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Now that word is a word we use to describe a theological truth found in the Bible. Just like the rapture um, comes from rapturo, which is Latin from the Latin Bible. In the Greek Bible, it's harpazo. Uh, and in the English Bible, it says like caught up or snatched up, depending on your translation. So anyway, that was the first lie. Christmas is not in the Bible. Um, yeah, celebrated the way we celebrate it uh, in our Western cultures and maybe some Eastern cultures. I don't know. I haven't been to a lot of Eastern places to check out their Christmas services. But um, yeah, the early church, we don't see them celebrating Christmas the way we do. Um, but I'm pretty sure they didn't celebrate many of the things the way that we do. Um so anyway, let's move on to the next one. The next one. The story goes that there was a church and the church was experiencing a great deal of struggle, uh, almost to the point of division over music styles. You see, part of the church had been, uh, they, they were generally the older generations, but not in total. But they were those people that had grown up in the church and, and appreciated the old-time hymns sung with a piano or an organ. Well, the younger people had come in and who hadn't grown up on that music, and they were used to and enjoyed more of the modern pop rock styles of music. Music with guitars and 
dare we even say drums. And this got to the point in the church where it was dividing people, and they finally decided we need to have a meeting about this topic. And they got together, and the traditional music people sat on one side of the table, and the non-traditional people sat on the other side of the table. The traditional people referred to the non-traditional songs as choruses. I don't know why they called them choruses, because they had verses and um, bridges as well, but they called them choruses, which the non-traditional people found quite offensive, but they didn't know why. And so they said, how are we going to decide what belongs in church and what does not? And the traditional people said, music should be played on a piano or an organ and sung with lots of uh, songs that are at least 50 years or older, unless they were written by the Gaithers. And the younger people said, what are you talking about? That's nuts. And the older people said, your songs don't say anything at all. They're just dead, dead, redundant. And the younger people said, your songs say things in ways that we don't understand what we're singing. And somebody finally stood up and said, none of this matters at all. It's the heart behind the worship that matters. If you don't know what you're saying, it doesn't mean anything. If you say something without meaning it and it's redundant and you don't mean what you're saying, it doesn't mean anything. But someone else stood up and said, but the real issue is the drums. Should we have drums in church? People looked around and some said yes and some said no. And one man, one brave soul stood up amongst the rest and said, well, we just need to go with what the Bible says. There was a hush that fell over the congregation and they all nodded in agreement. Everyone seemed to agree that their opinion was best. And the man said, should drums be in church? Some nodded, some shook their heads, and he said, let's remember what the Bible says. I'll play my drum for you, pa-rumpa-pum-pum, pa-rumpa-pum-pum, pa-rumpa-pum-pum. Okay, no, that's true. I just totally made that up on the spot. But, uh, hey, the drummer boy, the drummer boy, yeah, not in the Bible. Sorry, I'm, I'm sure you probably knew that. Maybe you didn't. But yeah, the drummer boy, not not in the Bible. I'm going to go with uh, an excellent possibility. There was nobody playing the drums uh, at the time of Jesus' birth. Well, maybe somebody somewhere on earth, but not there with him. So let's move on to other Christmas lies. Now, you may have noticed we're not necessarily taking these to uh, what I call the matrix of truth, uh, the old truth matrix where we ask questions about uh, where these things come from, the, you know, why do people believe them? Because honestly, we're having some fun today. Well, I'm having some fun today, and hopefully you'll have fun too. Uh, the next one, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We light a cigar. Is uh, That's not right. Anyway, the three kings. Yes, the three kings, also known as Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. Maybe it's Casper and Balthazar. I don't know. It depends on your tradition. They actually have different names depending on where you come from um, and what your church traditions are. But Malkar, Caspar, and Balthazar, yeah, not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. And not only that, there's no kings mentioned coming to visit Jesus at his birth in the Bible either. No, they're referred to as magi, um, which some would say is a magician or a uh, astronomer, astrologer, that type. And what's interesting, of course, is how many were there? Well, the song says 
we three kings of Orient are. But the song is, again, not in the Bible. So uh, we know this. There was more than one, but we don't know how many because the Bible doesn't tell us. It does tell us they brought three gifts. Um, now, if you sing the song, you probably think, oh, they brought, we'll bring you silver and gold. We'll bring you silver and gold. That's not what they brought. That's not what they brought. They brought frankincense, gold, and myrrh, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold because he was a king, and that's what you bring a king. Frankincense because he was the great high priest. And myrrh because myrrh is something that you would use in embalming, and he came to die. So anyway, the three kings, not three, not kings. Now, there's some interesting ideas about this, though, because the question often comes up, like, why, how did these guys even know, right? They saw a star. Now, where was the star? Now, if you listen to the Christmas songs, you'll think it was in the east, but the star was not in the east. Though the Magi tell Herod, we saw the star in the east, but the star wasn't in the east. They were in the east, so the star would have been in the west. And the star, where was the star? Now, many people would say, oh, the star was over the manger. Now, why would they say that? Well, because um, that's what's on their nativity scene. In fact, the nativity scene usually has uh, um, Mary and Jesus, jo Mary and Jesus, and Joseph. Jesus, of course, is uh, got his arms out, like reaching out. He's got a little guy in his manger. He looks like he's about six months old. Uh, Mary's wearing blue and white. Uh, Joseph's usually wearing, usually he's wearing purple and brown, but not always. He's got a beard with some flecks of gray. And then there's some shepherds there and a bunch of animals and uh, some wise men and camels. And usually there's an angel or a star on top of the manger. Now, unfortunately, many of those things are just patently incorrect. Um, yeah, so, hey, what does the Bible say? Well, when it comes to the star, they followed the star. Now, why did they follow the star? We're not told, but we do know that they are magi, so they're quite possibly astronomers and astrologers. And it would also seem they came perhaps, perhaps, this is some speculation, but interesting speculation. I think there's some, some validity to it. it. I think it makes sense. And that is that when the Jews left Babylon, when you read about Ezra and Nehemiah, when the Jews left Babylon, remember prior to that, Daniel was a high member of the government there. And at certain times he was third in charge of everything, but he was also in charge of what would have been their wise men at the time. And so it's quite possible that Daniel had maybe prophecies or things that he had written that clued them in to look out for these things. We don't really know, but we do know that they came and it's important that they came. If you want to hear more about why it's important they came, I would encourage you to look at the Run of the Mills podcast. Oh, also by me, the Run of the Mills podcast, our daily run series through the book of Matthew and the first few episodes we talk about uh, Jesus being the king of the Jews and what better to have come and recognize him as the king of the Jews, but foreign dignitaries. Um, that's a common thing. Recognize a new king, foreign dignitaries. So um, there's a number of different, actually there's like seven different uh uh, people or persons or testimonies of Jesus being the king of the Jews, if you go back and look at Matthew. So anyway, our uh, three kings, the star leads them to Jerusalem, right? So they come to Jerusalem and they ask the right questions of the right people and they get the right answers and they continue on to Bethlehem. And there they are in my nativity scene 
which is like a shack. Ours is a shack. It's got a bunch of moss on top of it. And there they are, all huddled around the manger where Jesus is with his arms laid out and his mom wearing blue and his dad wearing purple. Now, I personally like to set up my manger scene a little different. I like to have Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And maybe the shepherds are outside, but um, I like to have like the the, the wise guys, the uh, the magi, I like to have them like on a different table across the room. Because this is what we know about them. On that day of Jesus' birth where he's wrapped in swallowing cloths and laid in a manger, uh, it's pretty it's pretty clear they weren't there. They weren't there at that time. Because we read later that they arrive. When they arrive, the child's at the house, right? He's at a house. And now we can go back and talk about the manger scene in a little bit. But they rise at the house. And here's the other thing. When Herod realized he's been deceived by them because he told them, when you find him, come tell me, because he wanted to kill him. And they were warned, don't go back and tell him. So they don't. So so Herod's like, he's, he's mad. So he, um, in uh, verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2, he, I'm sorry, verse 16 of Matthew chapter 2, he tells his, his, uh, his guys to go and kill all baby boys two years old and under in Bethlehem. He said, because of, um, he calculated from the time that the, uh, the, the Magi saw the star. So we don't know how long their traveling was. We don't know long, how long it was before he realized they didn't come back. Uh, we don't know how long after Jesus was born, they arrived and talked to him. So we don't know, but we do know there was some sort of two year period there. So it may, he may have been, um, as old as two years old, uh, so that's why I like to have my wise men a little further away from the manger scene. My kids keep moving them back. All right, let's go to the next lie. The lie of the innkeeper. Yes, the innkeeper. Je Joseph and Mary arrive and there's no room in the inn. And the innkeeper says, there's no room in the inn. And then they go knock at another inn. There's no room because like, apparently they didn't have no vacancy signs at that point. The neon signs weren't up yet or the whatever it was. But actually, um, it's more likely that when it talks about there's no room in the inn, it's just a bad translation of the Greek word that means upper room. We see the same word used later in the Bible when Jesus tells his disciples to go and they'll meet in the upper room. That's uh, the same, same word. There's no room in the upper room. And it would appear from um, archaeologists and anthropologists say that the Jewish people would often, in many ancient cultures, would have two stories. And they would do most of their living upstairs and sleeping upstairs, the bedrooms upstairs. And then the downstairs was kind of their entry living area. And also a place where... as as an agrarian culture, they would bring in their their uh, lambs, their baby goats, um, any fragile young animals. They would bring them into their own house, which would explain uh, the a manger being there. And so it's very possible that there was no cave, there was no barn, there was no shack made out of uh, two by fours and moss like I have sitting on top of a speaker in my house. Um, it may just be that Joseph went to a relative's house because remember, he's going to Bethlehem where his family is from for the census. So he probably didn't get there and go, Hey, I don't know anybody here. It's where his family was from. 
and also again in a culture that highly valued hospitality it would be very strange to turn someone away it'd be more likely to say hey we don't have any room in the upstairs but you can stay down here downstairs which seems to be a much more likely historically speaking yet um i mean it kind of ruins my nativity scene but i got legos so i could build a better one all right so yeah probably no innkeeper probably not all right let's go to the next one joseph and mary were walking to jerusalem oh no sorry bethlehem walking to bethlehem joseph was riding on a donkey mary was walking but because she was so pregnant and so near birth joseph hopped off that donkey placed mary on the donkey's back and led her to bethlehem now Again, this is one that, that I heard. I heard even if you look at a donkey's back, and this is true, when you look at a donkey's back, you'll notice they have what's called a dorsal stripe, which is a black stripe that goes down the center of their back from their withers down to their tail head. And the difference with a donkey is they have a cross mark on that, that line that goes down their, uh, their back across their shoulders. And people say, ah, that cross is because that is where Mary sat on the way to Bethlehem. Other people say, oh no, it's where Jesus sat. I think that that's just um, silly. But anyway, uh, we're, there's no donkey. I'm sorry, reading the Bible, there's no donkey. Traveling the 90 miles that they were probably traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, chances are uh, they were, if you had a donkey, you're not riding on him you probably have a cart hooked up to them, especially if you're a carpenter and you know how to build stuff. You might build yourself a little cart for your wife and your stuff to ride in behind the donkey. And then here's the crazy thing. Both of you can ride. You don't have to walk everywhere. Um, they also at that time had horses, but horses weren't super popular in Israel because of some of the law about kings shall not multiply horses and camels, of course, also. So, hey, we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. So, is that a pernicious lie? No. Drummer boy, pernicious lie? No. Innkeeper, pernicious lie? No. Three kings? And that's... No. I mean, they're just... Those are just... They're just those things that have become tradition. But I don't think that they're going to lead you off into any um, false teaching or cultic practices. All right, let's keep going. The next lie. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Did Jesus cry? I'm going with yes. Now, some people are going, no, he couldn't have. Why not? He's fully God and fully man. And that would mean when he was baby, he was fully baby. And as fully baby, I'm going with Jesus wept. Um, also, because I'm an adult, yes, the Bible tells us Jesus wept. So I'm thinking if he could cry as a man, he could cry as a baby. Uh, I don't know why. they. It probably just sounded good in the song. So, hey, let's look at the next one. The next Christmas lie, singing angels, the angels singing, hark the herald angels singing. Um, yeah, they weren't singing. Well, they might have been, but the Bible doesn't say they were singing. In fact, if you happen to read your Bible and uh, read in like Luke 8 through 14, um, it doesn't say that they sang anything. It says that they said it. There's, there's speaking, there's proclaiming, but there's no singing. 
but singing does kind of make Christmas songs better. So, you know, and, and there are others that'll, that will point out that there's no time in the Bible that angels do sing. Now there's some debate about certain, um, beings mentioned in or creatures mentioned in the book of revelation that are singing and people will debate whether or not they're angels or not that's neither here nor there doesn't really matter to me but did the angels sing well it doesn't say they did so um anyway i don't know if that counts as a lie or just uh fanciful speculation and i have to be honest i'm not a big fan of musicals so there's that, so I might be a little biased. All right, so let's let's move on. All right, so I mentioned earlier another one. This is another one, Joseph. Joseph, or as my daughter used to call him, Joseph. Joseph. Joseph in his purple robe with the gray and brown kind of trim on it, and his his nice full beard and his hair with gray at the temples and gray flecks in his beard. Yes, Mary, Mary seems, she seems to be like, you know, 17 or something in my, or maybe she's in her early 20s in my nativity scene and most of the pictures and statues. But Joseph, man, he's an old guy. He's an old guy. And, um, yeah, the Bible doesn't say how old Joseph was. It doesn't say. So uh, why did people picture Joseph as older? Well, there's a reason. There's a reason that Joseph is often pictured as older. The other day, I was on Facebook. And uh, I know Facebook, uh, for you, is probably like me. It gives you, like, suggested posts. And lately, it's been suggesting posts by Father Mike, who is a... Uh, a uh, Catholic priest who answers questions about Catholicism, which I think, hey, this is interesting. I will watch this. And he was poking fun the other day, and I think rightly, of Christians and their nativity scenes. And he said, one of the reasons I love Christmas, and I may be getting this wrong because I only watched it once, but I think he said something along the lines of, I love around Christmas that all the Protestants suddenly don't have a problem with statues of Mary. And I was like, ah, ah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, because there was a time where, you know, Protestants would not do that because that's, you know, the, the statues and images of saints and such was considered a very Catholic thing. Now, why is Joseph pictured as much older? Well, the reason for that, in most cases is because Jesus, we read in Matthew 13, 55 and 56, has four brothers and multiple sisters. We don't know his sisters' names, but we are told his brothers' names, and two of them actually have books in the New Testament that are attributed to them. Uh, that would be James and Jude. And so, here's the thing. Why does Joseph have to be old to have at least six kids plus the adopted son Jesus. Well, he has to be old because he had to have been married previously. Well, it doesn't have to be married previously to me, but in Catholic theology, he does because they have an elevated view of Mary, elevated from a what might be considered a Protestant view or 
um, I hate to say this, but a biblical view of Mary. Um, yeah, I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, the Catholic Church traditional view of Mary, their, their tr church traditions and church teachings of Mary are very different than what the Bible says. And if that upsets you, well, you've just got to reconcile this. Who's, who's more accurate? The written recorded world, word of God or traditions handed down by men? And they will talk about oral traditions, that they're oral traditions handed down by the, by the uh, apostles, and they were passed on. But the problem is, we don't have record of those oral traditions until much later when suddenly somebody goes, oh, by the way, we have this oral tradition. And there's an elevation of Mary. And there's things about Mary that they've changed. One of the things I learned, um, actually I didn't learn this from Father Mike on the YouTube uh, channel answering all those great questions about Catholics, but he talked about it as well, but it was reminded me and it was, it was interesting. He was talking about Mary and what he was answering a, another Bible scholar who was saying Jesus was sinless because he was the son of God. He was fully man because he has a human mother, but he was conceived of the Holy spirit. So he does not have the sinful nature of Adam handed down from father to father, by father to father to father to father. That's the idea. And he said, so Jesus is therefore sinless. And he said, but the problem with this is that Mary is also considered sinless by the Catholic, uh, Catholic teachings. And so if Mary is sinless, then she must also have been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he went on to say, no, that's not the case, that Mary had special graces, that Mary was sinless because of of the special graces that God gave her. There's a problem with that. Like when the lawyer comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, there's no one good but God and my mom. No, no, he doesn't say that. He says, there's no one good but God. Now some would say, well, Jesus right there is admitting he's not sinless. No, he, he's bringing this guy to the point, like you called me good and there's no one good but God. So what's, if you call me good and there's none good but God, then what's going on? Either you're lying to me, you're calling me good when I'm not, or, 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 I'm God. Yeah, that's the answer. So, you know, and when the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, um, except for Jesus and Mary, you know, you may have heard of the Immaculate Conception and people think, Protestants, when they hear Immaculate Conception, they think, oh, that's talking about Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. It's not a song about Mary, because Mary's been elevated to a role that some would say even co-redemptress. And because of this, there's some problems, and this is why we get to old Joseph. Because, see, the Catholic teaching is that Mary is a perpetual virgin. Now, why this is important to them I have no idea, but it is. And I think some of it has to do with um, kind of a, a twisted view on human sexuality, which you take that back to priests being celibate and on and on. But um, Mary, to them, is the perpetual Virgin Mary. And when they talk about the Virgin Mary, well, it's a little weird because Jesus has already been born. And we know he was born of a virgin, so that's good. But was she a perpetual virgin? 
does the Bible tell us otherwise? Now, that's a little awkward question to ask, you know, like, what does the Bible say about, was she a perpetual virgin? Um, well, let's take a look at what the Bible says. So, I'm going to flip over here my Bible, and let's look at the book of Matthew. But before we do that, let's say I said to you, let's see, well, we're, it's Christmas, so let's talk about Christmas. I didn't open any of my presents until Christmas morning. If I said to you, today, I did not open any of my presents until Christmas morning. Would you conclude that, therefore, I have never opened any Christmas presents ever? Now, tomorrow, the day after Christmas, perhaps, and I said I didn't open any of my presents till Christmas, you would never conclude, oh, Mike never opened any presents. You would conclude, oh, he didn't open any presents on Christmas Eve, as is the tradition of his father and father-in-law. No, he opened his presents on Christmas Day. He didn't open them until. If I didn't open them ever, I would say I never opened any of my presents. And you might think, well, that's weird. And it would be, because what's the fun of having them if you don't get to open them? So I bring that up because this is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Well, let's back up a little. We'll back up to verse... Um, Twenty. Um, it says the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Okay, now check this out. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And wait, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now you might say, wait a minute, Mike, what translation is that? Oh, that would be the new King James. So you might say, well, that, that doesn't seem to be like the translation I would use. So let's see, let's just go with like the uh, American Standard Version. What does it say? Well, let's read it. It says, and he knew her not till she brought forth a son and he shall be called, and he called his name Jesus. Because you see, whatever version you read, you're going to find the same thing. He did not, in NIV, he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. All right. So what's the point? The point is, if I said I didn't open my presents till Christmas, it means I didn't open them prior to Christmas, but on Christmas I opened them. So when it says he did not consummate his marriage or he did not know her till she had born the son, it means before. Before Jesus, he did not. After Jesus, he did. He doesn't have to be an old guy who was previously married with eight kids. He is 
her husband, probably the first first marriage for both of them. That would make sense. And he has children with her, and Jesus is the older brother, not the baby brother. Anyway, does that one make a difference? Yeah, that one makes a difference. That one makes a difference. So, hey, when we talk about these, most of these traditions don't really matter too much. But when it comes down to um, to Mariology, it makes a difference. It matters. It matters. Because, you see, Jesus needed to be the only sinful man. He was the one. If his mom was sinful, she could have died on the cross for us, taking on the sins of the world. Um, no, only Jesus. Only, only Jesus. So anyway, hey, hopefully I didn't ruin your Christmas. Um, you may have to rearrange your manger scene if you want to be biblically accurate. If you don't want to be biblically accurate, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's a big deal. If we have our, if we have our uh, magi at the scene, if we have some animals at the scene. If you have like Mary riding a donkey on the way to the scene, I don't think it matters. Um, but what does matter? Hey, it matters we know the truth. So some of those things are speculation. Some of them we don't know for sure. Some of them we do know for sure. But what matters is the truth. Don't discount the truth. Hope you had as much fun with this today as I did. God bless you. Talk to you next time.